0: Introducing the Soul Collection by Brilliant Earth, the global leader in ethically sourced fine jewelry. Designed for everyday elegance, this exclusive new collection features timeless rings and bracelets made with recycled gold and silver and adorned with beyond-conflict-free diamonds to celebrate your unique style and story. Energizing and iconic, the Soul Collection reflects what makes Brilliant Earth a beacon in the industry recognizable design, careful craftsmanship, and an unwavering commitment to quality, sustainability, and transparency. Drawing inspiration from the warmth and energy of the sun, soul is more than jewelry. It's an expression of your personality. Find the pieces that resonate with you and discover a radiant addition to your forever collection. The Soul Collection, available exclusively at Brilliant Earth. Be light,
1: Welcome to High Stakes, Episode 7. I'm your host, Neil Orfield, and my guest today goes by many names. His Rotor Grinder's profile name is Pot Ripper. His FanDuel name, which you may not know, but he's been at the top many times, is Alien Mare. And the name that you probably know him best by, the name that he's won three millimakers with, is RBX88. I also call him Gio, because he's a friend of mine. Gio, how are you doing today? Uh, Not
2: too bad. I am just watching my lineups uh, in golf, see if I'm dead or not, (laughs) even though it's only the first day. Um, Did you not even
1: check until I asked you just now how you're doing?
2: I check really quick, but I, I try not to watch. I, I try to just wait till uh, uh, Sunday to uh, see if I have anything going.
1: At least until the cut, right? It doesn't really matter until after the cut. So, what's right. the point? I still watch, you know, I, I probably check in every 20 minutes anyway, just because I'm compulsive like that, want to see how my guys are doing, <laughs> but really doesn't matter that much until after the cut.
2: Yep, exactly.
1: So. So, Gio, you've got. Uh, remind me, you you have three millimaker wins. You also have a World Series of Poker bracelet, uh, which I, I believe you're probably the only person on the planet with uh, all of that. Uh, but remind yeah. me, what what were your three millimaker wins in?
2: Um, it was two. It went. It went one in the NFL that I won, one in PGA, and then I won a high roller of four 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 in NFL.
1: So the first two were both in the the largest field tournaments, and the last one was in a high stakes. Yeah. Okay. And then you also had two second place finishes and one sixth place finish, at least uh, in yeah. Millimakers, but all in large field stuff.
2: Yeah. That was all like 167,000 people
1: fields. That's incredible. That's uh, <laughs> unheard of. I don't think that I've ever heard of anybody doing that well, especially since you haven't even been playing DFS that long. When did you start playing DFS? Uh,
2: I think I checked my uh, Roto tracker. I said, I think it was three years ago. Yeah, that's uh, that's an uh,
1: insane run. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, four. But I don't really count the first year because i I was a I was a fish and I didn't really know what I was doing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then, then I shouldn't count anything before like 2017 either. I've been counting no. since like 2013, but I look at my roto tracker and I'm like, I was pretty terrible for a few years there. So, yeah. uh, so maybe I shouldn't count way back there. Uh, but so you, you come from a poker background, right? So let's let's talk yeah. about your poker just a little bit. I don't want to talk about it a ton because uh, I don't play poker. I don't. A lot of people do have background and they want to talk about that more than I do. But I'm like, it doesn't really interest me as much. But uh, because some of our audience, I think will will uh, be interested to hear about your poker background. Let's get into it sure. a little bit. Um, so when, when did you start playing poker?
2: Uh, I started playing poker when I was about 16. Uh, a friend of mine invited me over his house one day. We all went to Catholic school together. And then when we were in high school, he, like, hit me up. He says, hey, let's play some poker. We're playing for five bucks. My mom had to drive me. So I was like, all right. Um, he you were 16?
0: Me
1: how to... You didn't have a driver's license? No, no, I was <laughs> 16.
2: <laughs> all right. All right. Um, <laughs> so he, my mom dropped me off, and he showed me how to play. And I actually wound up winning. And I was literally hooked from that day ever since.
1: How, how many people were playing that day?
2: Um, there was about, like, seven or eight people, I think. Which is okay. like your kind of your standard number of people for like one one table.
1: Okay, but they were just friends of yours at that time. You're 16 years old.
2: Yeah, we all went to Catholic school together.
1: So. Okay, but then so so take me from there to you becoming a pro at poker because you I mean obviously you start you you in a field of eight people that are friends of yours that's not quite at <laughs> the, the level that you need to be to beat pros at poker. So how how did you get to that level? Um.
2: Well, I, I honestly, me and my friend uh we we honestly played we started playing every day and we played like really low stakes and then we signed up online and we started playing online and uh, i i just literally was playing every day and then when i started to make when i was more consistent with making money um i you know decided to you know drop out of college and you know make it a profession because you know i was i was really good and um it, Everything started kind of click, you know, I started like winning more and more and more. So I was like, all right, I'm going to just do this. Obviously, my dad didn't really like that too much. My dad's <laughs> super, super old school and wants me to go to college and get my degree. But I, I just love poker so much. I um, I was just playing literally every day for years. I was playing
1: every day. And what what kind of hours were 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 you playing? Because I know that poker sometimes people play really weird hours. Is that the case when you play online, or when you're playing online, can you kind of set your own hours?
2: Um, When you're playing online, it's like when when you're like running hot and you got a lot of momentum, you just kind of want to keep riding it. So I would play like twelve to fourteen hours a day um, for you know months on end. Even like when they banned poker in the U.S., I went and moved to Canada for a few months and played there Uh, and I would just literally just wake up go to the store get food come back and just play poker for 10-12 hours and just repeat the same same thing every day
1: that's funny I did not know the story that you moved to Canada for a little bit to play poker would you do that if if, if DFS uh, gets banned in the US uh, or in New York could you see yourself moving back up to Montreal it's still legal Uh, in Montreal right they can play
2: no, they're actually they're supposed to be banning. Um... Oh, is that? <laughs> We're supposed to be banning vfs in Canada soon.
1: Okay, I thought it was just in part of Canada. I don't know. I don't remember which part. But all right, <laughs> so that's not something we have to worry. about you're not going to be moving to Canada to play. Um, so, so you mentioned that your your dad didn't um, started yeah, playing. Edit, poker. Ed- sorry,
2: edit that out. Three.
1: All right, no, edit out, edit out the cough. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so you mentioned that uh, your dad didn't love it when you started playing poker. Right. Uh, now, now you've won a World Series of Poker bracelet. Uh, can you can you tell me? First of all, is your dad okay with it now that you've you know kind of found some major success playing poker?
2: Uh, yeah, my dad stands by me a hundred percent. I would always say to him, "Oh, yeah, uh, I'm down like forty thousand this this month," and he goes, "Oh, don't worry about it." And you'll, you'll get it back, you know, uh, just keep wow. working. Chris, keep working at it. So, That's um, awesome. uh, yeah, at first when I would tell him I would lose that much, he's like, oh, you got to be kidding me, man. You can't you can't be doing this no more.
1: <laughs> what about the rest of your family? Like, is everybody kind of that supportive at this point or?
2: Uh, yeah, they showed that I've become very successful in, you know, poker and DFS. So they, they kind of stand by me like uh, like 100 percent, basically. Uh saying that uh you know what I done, you know, buying my own house and stuff. So they, they don't really question my uh uh they they usually say, like, oh, are you still winning? You know, are you losing? You know, <laughs> so just like a little ba- bit. Just like the um the basic things, you know, people say you don't really understand it.
1: I mean me too. Doesn't matter how much you've won. You've won three million records, you still got that question. Okay, yeah. you're still doing okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so that doesn't go away apparently.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, well, so, so you won the World Series of Poker Bracelet. I know that's a big deal because I see people talking about it like, oh, man, I wish I had one of those, but I don't really know much about it. Uh, tell me the significance of the World Series of Poker Bracelet and, like, was there money that came out of that as well and, and how many of those are given out each year approximately? A here it is here. Oh, wow, you got it.
0: Yep. That, is,
1: that is beautiful. I do wish that I had one of those. <laughs> I agree with those people. That looks really cool yeah all right so So, tell me about it how how many people have those how many people get those each year
2: um it's probably between like 80 and 100 back in the um years ago they only had about like 40 or 50 a year they gave out so it's like basically like a milli maker um like win basically uh it's only a certain amount per year that they do
1: okay and did you win money along with it i I assume there was some money attached to that as well
2: yeah it was around like ninety thousand,
1: i think all right, so not uh, not small change.
2: I, I felt very comfortable at the final table because, um, obviously I had million dollar sweats before, and so like ninety thousand was like, all right, I'm I'm like, I'm comfortable, you know, I'm not really afraid to lose. So,
1: yeah, that and that's an important attribute, I would think, to not be afraid to lose. Like it's same same as DFS. You kind of need yeah. to be willing to to risk it some. So you mentioned that you you didn't finish college, that you uh, dropped out to yeah. pursue poker and that kind of piqued my interest because I think of the first four people that I interviewed now this is our second time interviewing so I include you in that group of the first four people that I interviewed three of them I believe didn't finish college and it made me kind of think what do you think are some of the traits the personality traits or other attributes that would explain why there seems to be some positive correlation there between people who don't finish college and are successful at DFS
2: um because I think how I see it is is that they devote all their time to DFS when you, you when you put a hundred percent into something, you're gonna you're gonna get results. Uh it's just that simple. Um I, I okay. was always a believer in if you put in 60, 70, you kind of want to do it, you kind of don't. It really never works out. You gotta be like drop all your cards, you know, you're all in basically on uh what you want to do. And that's what I do with DFS. I I I literally dropped poker. I barely put any poker. All I did was DFS and I just studied and watched people and then got the optimizers and just kind of, you know, I didn't really talk to anybody, but um at first, but I I just kind of got the feel for it and kind of figured out my own way, pushed by trial and error.
1: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I was thinking that it also might be like, to, to some extent, like you think outside the box a little bit, like to, to drop out of college, like, because I think the, the safe path, you know, at least the, the path that we're taught is the safest is to finish college. Like get get right. a four-year degree. That's what everybody's told. Like, this is the path. This is what you do. Now we can, we can debate the merits of But I think that uh, there is some argument that like, it's more risky to drop out. Like you you could definitely debate whether that's riskier because uh, obviously you're a lot of people going into major debt and you could argue that, that it's actually less risky, but that's kind of what we're taught is that it's risky to to yes. drop out of college. So you're taking a big risk on yourself, I think would be one attribute. And you're also kind of just thinking outside the box. Like, I think that's, it's drilled into most people, like, you you know, go to college, get a four-year degree and you're th- kind of thinking for yourself, like that might not be what I want to do. So do you think that those are kind of some attributes as well that maybe, maybe kind of lead you like just your, are do you consider yourself kind of an outside the box thinker?
2: Uh yeah definitely uh definitely do that that's how I always play poker I never went by like the uh, GTO theory um it, it's basically the optimal strategy to play poker um it, it's you gotta it, that's the only way to win is think outside the box and get different of uh, of how the people are playing It's I mean it, it, poker and DFS are very much related and 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 to the uh, to regards of that of thinking outside the box okay how can I outsmart this guy how can I play different players in this field and compared to everyone else? So it's definitely a, a big attribute of mine to um, be able to do that. Cause a lot of people just go what's right. And you know, not o- right is not always right.
1: <laughs> right. What you assume is right. What what like, you know, seems to be right. is not necessarily always the smartest approach. Yeah. Right. And you're also willing to take risks. I mean, clearly, I think you're pretty clearly willing to take risks. We, we talk yeah. enough that I think I know that about you.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. All
1: right, what, one uh, listener question related to poker. Uh, NFT asked, what is your favorite starting hand in Texas Hold'em? Uh, I, I kind of wondered, to me, I added the question, are there benefits to uh, hands other, outside of uh, double aces, which has always been my favorite, but that's probably because I'm you know, not a great <laughs> poker player. So, so what, is, what is your favorite hand to start with in, in Texas Hold'em?
2: Uh, I love 9'10 suited. It's just like it can do little. It can do everything. Uh, you can make a lot of straights with it. You can make a flush with it. Um, you can make two pairs, and it it, it flops. Uh, it, for people who know poker, it flops
1: kind of well. So. Yeah. And people don't always see it coming too when when you have a good hand.
3: Right. So it's, it's just like, a fun like Aces. hand to play.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's a fun hand to play. All right. That makes sense. Well, let, let's move on to my bread and butter here and talk a little bit of DFS, DFS process. Uh, so let's, some questions that I've been asking every guest, uh, does your process involve simulations or advanced math?
2: Um, I don't do simulations or uh, advanced, advanced math
1: really. Okay, so, so not at all. You're not doing any kind of running your own simulations, using other people's simulations. No, nope.
2: <laughs> okay. I, I keep it, uh, I just do my own thing basically. Yeah, all right. I don't really follow the rules of how you're supposed to play. I just do what I like
1: to do. <laughs> yep, so you, you mentioned earlier though that you do use an optimizer. Is that for, for the most of the items that you build are you using an optimizer?
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah, I use Fantasy Cruncher.
1: Okay um you also mentioned on one of the podcasts that you were were a guest on that for at least one of your millimakers you like made a, a crunch of like 150 lineups and then you decided no i I want to make a i want to hand build a few and yeah. it happened to be one of those few that hand built <laughs> one of your few hand built lineups that won the millimaker you want to yeah. tell me first tell me that story a little bit because that's a fun story
2: uh well a friend of mine who doesn't really play dfs uh he plays poker and he's he said something about Winston that day and it was James like Winston. Ten, yeah yeah, James Winston. And it was about 10 minutes before lock and I'm like, "You know what? Let me hand build like three or four Winston lineups." And so I I forget who was playing that day, but I I um I cleared that and I was like, "All right, I'll put in a Winston stack, a full game stack." I think it was a full game stack, I don't remember. Uh and then my um my favorite plays of um that day, and I think Kenyon Drake was uh, one of them. Usually, uh, like, one of my favorite plays, and yeah, I just basically hand built it like ten minutes before, and with my favorite plays, and I mind, it would wind up being
1: one of those lineups. So that was so. So Jameis Winston was, I believe, on that day it was kind of a low own play. Was he sort yeah, of? Yeah, It was a double.
2: Green? It was a double stack with Perriman and Godwin. Okay. All right. And actually, and then- Godwin got hurt too. Really? Yeah, Godwin got hurt in the third quarter, and he only had twenty. So I'm like, there's no way that's gonna uh, win now. And it wound up winning, I guess, because it was Drake who kind of made me go boom because of. So so was Drake
1: also a contrarian play? Yeah, he was was like
2: three percent. I had like thirty.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask, because you, you mentioned yeah. that you played that stack and then you just played whoever you want. So sometimes, you know, people will play a contrarian stack and then you think like, well, the rest of my lineup can be chalky at this point. So I was kind of wondering if you meant like, yeah, you played chalk everywhere else, but it sounds like you at least had one other piece that was not chalky.
2: Right. Yeah. And everything else was chalky. I think uh, Tyler Higby was chalky, Barkley was, and then Carson, I think was, they're all, they're all chalk.
1: Okay. So then having had that, major success hand building a lineup do you still hand build some of your lineups like do you do it in some contests or like do you always hand build a handful of lineups what's your approach um
2: to? in the high rollers i i try to hand build it i feel like i can make hand built better lineups than the opt that than the optimizer would give me um i i feel that i can focus a lot more especially when I got a late swap and I only got to do three. And while everyone else is doing like maxing out like 20 or something in the high roll or whatever it is, I can, I can switch it around. Um, I can just plug it in the optimizer real quick, see what it gives me, take the highest projected. If I don't like it, I'll, I can like, you know, hand switch it around basically.
1: All right. Yeah, I kind of feel the same. I mean, the Optimizer, ultimately, it's only going to give you the lineups that you tell it to give you, so, like, right. you can really manipulate it. Like, wh- when I talked to Aha Bro, it sounds like he does a lot more to manipulate Fantasy Cruncher to make, you know, op- lineups that look a lot better than some of the lineups that I do. It's just right. a matter of, obviously, how much time you put into it. But if you hand build, you can really focus on exactly yeah. what you want in terms of, you know, uh, how how owned you want the lineup to be overall right. the construction of the lineup. So, yeah, well, I-, I, well, I still... The correlation,
2: the correlation with the lineup and, like, the groups that you have too, and you uh, can make it a lot cleaner
1: hand building. Yeah, yeah. I still I hand build some. I, I've actually gotten gotten away from it more and more. I use the uh, the opto for the majority of my lineups. Some most days I use the opto for all of my lineups, but still sometimes I think there are days when I'm like, yeah, I feel like that I, I can hand build a better lineup that I'm going to find. Yeah, it. Uh, right. So, so I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah. What about projections? Do you do your own projections from scratch, or do you use projections uh, from another source as your base?
2: Um, I use projections, um, for, I use different projections for different things. Um, but, uh, if I don't like something, uh, I won't play it. Like last night, um, I was running projections and I was getting a hundred percent Harrison Barnes and that's X for me. <laughs> and he, and he wound up just getting like 18 points. So just like stuff like that. I, I, I just don't like, like, like the guy just sucks. Like, I don't care what his projection is. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. Like if a guy's just playing bad, I'm just not gonna play him. So uh, I, and especially when he's chalky too, he's playing bad and he's just kind of at that right price. No, nah, I'm just not gonna play it. So yeah, I'd like to make my own adjustments too um, yeah. in regards to that. I don't always follow projections, um, so that's where I get a little different. You know, uh, and it it cost me. Like I asked Luca the past past two nights, I got crushed. So oh, yeah. um um so. it is what it is you know you win some you lose some and one of these nights is when you get it right you're gonna win like every contest so
1: so you and I talk a fair amount lately uh and I feel like at least half of what we talk about is just tilting (laughs) and I feel like uh you you tell me frequently so you just mentioned that you x out Harrison Barnes when you say you x him out you mean you play zero percent like you you literally like moved him from your pool yeah and I tweeted to Awesome and I go, are you secretly loving Harrison
2: Barnes because when I was running it, I was getting like a hundred percent, and I was just like, I tried to post me Xing him, but i couldn't I couldn't get it but yeah <laughs> i i did I did not play him. I played Lyles instead,
1: okay. That must have been before I started doing mine because I don't think I got much Harrison Barnes at all. So there was something something wonky <laughs> going on probably early in the day. I don't know what's yeah. happening there. Uh, but but uh, you you often tell me things like I want to say two weeks ago you told me I'm never playing LeBron or Russell Westbrook again, <laughs> and I never believe you when you tell me this kind of stuff. Are you serious? Like are you never playing LeBron or Russell Westbrook again, or is that just uh, is that just you tilting and, and No no them?
2: like no like seriously I I I will ask them like there's some guys like I'll, I'll I will never touch. Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like an emotional thing, but like, dude, like you just, you just suck. You suck. Like, it was just like, I, some days I'll I'll give them another chance, you know, if I'm All feeling right. it. Right. But like, a lot of the times they're like certain players, like, I just don't play. Chris I Middleton,
1: know. I think you've told me you're not gonna play yep, Chris Middleton. I don't
2: play him. I ask him every time. I don't if he beats me, he beats me. He just I've never seen him on maybe once or twice this year on a winning slate. I mean, have you? Have you how many times have you seen him on a winning slate?
1: I mean when Giannis is out, he's he can do pretty great. I mean, people people remember the times he fails when Giannis is out, but he's had some huge games with Giannis out. So yeah, I, yeah.
2: But <laughs> he has also some bad games with him out
1: too. Yes, yes, for sure. Geo, you're gonna run out of players, though. I feel like it's like every day you're telling me a new player. I'm never playing this guy again. At some point, you're not gonna have a player pool. It's just a, it's
2: just a few guys that I just I'm just biased towards. So, you know, right. they can they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> All right.
1: How many is it up to at this point? I mean, it's got to be at least like twenty.
2: Um, uh, it's a few. Uh, I, I'm trying to think who else. Who else is on that list? Um. I was I asking like, Paul George for a while, too. He, he's okay. just uh, – um, I'm trying to think off the uh, top of my head of guys who I just I just cannot touch. Um, oh, uh, the Boston guys. I never play them. Never, ever play them. Brown and Tatum? Them. Yeah, yeah. I I never play them. Well, when one is out, obviously. But, okay. like, like I, I see people playing them together, and I'm like, they have never both been on a winning lineup I think all year. So
1: That's, That might be true,
2: yeah. Yeah. Oh, Marcus Smart. Don't play him. <laughs> That's the guy I don't touch.
1: All right. I mean, it's a different approach. This is this is how you get different. You you take yeah. strong stands and you do it pretty regularly.
2: Yeah, you mentioned yeah. that you,
1: you also you'll you'll change projections sometimes. You do that frequently like every yeah. day are you changing projections some?
2: Um, I did it with Lyles last night. Um, I I seen he was getting big minutes and um it sucks because I um I boosted it down between Damian Jones and Lyles when it turns out that you needed Damian Jones and Lyles. But I did like both of them, and uh, uh, they actually won. I, th- I think they were both on the winning lineup, I think.
1: They might have nice. Yeah, so I also had a ton of them early on. But then we got the news that Alex Len was actually playing, surprisingly. That's what screwed me.
0: I don't even Alex know if he Lund.
1: ended up playing. I, I actually didn't check what happened there. He got four they, minutes. Oh, we got four minutes, so yeah, we, yes. we changed everything for those four minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was because I did like I... Damian Jones. Rockets
2: are the worst league, uh, worst in the league versus centers. So uh, I had about forty percent Damian Jones too.
3: Yeah. Yep. So. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it. Which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever.
4: Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. Price picks will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars just visit prize slash play 100 and use code play 100 that's code play 100 at prize slash play 100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy
1: definitely lost out on that as well so you, you say that you will x players for some slates do you also ever lock in players like 150 uh, out of
2: 150? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I won't lock in like a two percent or three percent guy because it's just unnecessary. But for guy's like twenty five or thirty percent, and especially on FanDuel when he's, um, when I think like that's like the best player for that position, that they're going to be the highest scoring. Yeah, I'll, I'll just lock them in there. Um, like uh, last yesterday, um, I think I basically locked Trey Young and Jokic when. Trey Young would have beat uh wind up beating uh Luca if he they wind up uh keeping it close OKC um but yeah just like definitely I'll lock players in uh maybe two or three sometimes I would just lock in it's just that you can right. give me the most like those are the top three players then you have you know the the maximum amount of combos
1: with those three yeah with those
2: three so yeah I, I don't mind locking guys I, I like to take risks and I think that's a big part of DFS where people kind of play like, "Uh, let me just do this. And if I get lucky and get the winning line, but but when you really go for it and you do actually hit, like you're going to have so many chances.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you've told me that you only play good quarterbacks. Uh, you did a podcast with Dean at Rotogrinders, and you said you usually only use about four to five quarterbacks in a given week in NFL. Right. Is that still about right?
2: Uh, Yeah. I kind of, I'm kind of down to maybe three or four. I will do five, but I won't go more than five quarterbacks in any given slate. The, uh, I'll just kind of narrow it down every time.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I've seen uh, – I know Megan Joy at one point took down a tournament where uh, she locked in 150 lineups with the same quarterback, and it was some it – was, it was an afternoon slate, I believe, so it was Cole, like a three-year slate. Colt McCoy, yeah, 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 so yeah. Enjoyed it, and I know I've seen Whistles do the same thing, where he just locks in one quarterback. So I don't think that it's too crazy to lock in three or four. That's I take a different approach. I usually play a lot of different quarterbacks, but maybe that's something I should uh, kind of narrow down a little bit going forward. Because you know, I think it can help to really to to limit your playing, fo- playing field a little bit more. Um, right, to, right. You you know
4: what you
2: need to get? What's that? You need, you need to get a time machine like
1: they got. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> that would help for sure. <laughs> Good idea. Uh, so, so just speaking of like, let's talk about like your your typical slate. So for NBA, for example, how much time do you usually spend preparing, and what do you do to prepare? Do you listen to shows? Do you look at box scores. Look look at rotations. Do you watch actual NBA games? Like, how much time do you think you spend per day on NBA?
2: Um, I usually spend like an hour and a half to two hours. I usually, you know, wake up, um, you know, play with my dog outside, hang out with him, you know, make food, go to the gym, and then I'll come back around you know 4 35 shower and then i'll i'll get my um uh, my stuff done and start researching and making all my groups i probably uh do like make a decent amount of groups so um i, I definitely spend a lot of time uh preparing for that some some slates uh, i do get lazy um and those are the slates i get crushed and i deserve it you know so i just try to keep the same process and um you know, uh, figure out what I want to do for that slate.
1: Yeah, I think I found the same thing. There's definitely a correlation between how much energy I put into the slate and how much yeah. I get out of it in yeah. general. I mean, I've done well on some slates where I put in literally like 10, 15 minutes, but uh, it's definitely not the usual. It's usually the more no. time you put in, the more you get out of it. So so what yeah. else do you do? Do you, uh, do you look at the box scores? Do you look at rotations at all? Or do you think that you kind of have a, a grip on the rotation so you don't need to every day?
2: Um. The rotations, I'm kind of iffy with, but I just kind of look at the box scores and see what people are doing um, and see how they've been doing uh, because it, it just seems like very trendy in basketball. Like when a guy's doing bad and he's just not playing good, it, he just, just continues to play bad. And uh, th- even though like some slates, they get into good spots, you could take a stand on it, but I just kind of wait for not all the time, but I try to wait for like they start okay, he had a good game, let's ride him, you know. Uh so that, that's what that's what I kind of um the approach I take.
1: You play you play a show me style where it's like you gotta show me they're capable of doing something before you're gonna play him.
2: Right, right, right. Like you got you gotta show me you got upside and you know, like for for instance PJ Tucker, that's another guy I, I will never touch. Like you get thirty points I mean good for
1: you, bro. He must have crushed you for a couple of weeks. I, I feel like he had a really good stretch <laughs> early in the year and then he became PJ Tucker again. Yeah. 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 But
2: no, I, I definitely, um, uh, try to, you know, get, find a ways to get different, but I try not to go too crazy. You know, I still try to play like good plays and stuff. Um, but if I, if I want to take a stand, you know, I take it if I'm not too sure. Yeah. I'll just make my rules and go by the projections.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like I take a little bit of different, like sometimes I will play a player who hasn't shown me anything recently. If it's just like the underlying stats, I see like, oh, he's getting opportunities, just not performing well. He's getting his shots up, just not making them. A lot of times there, I will kind of take a shot on guys. But uh,
2: yeah,
1: I mean, I, I've definitely heard other people doing the same thing you do. It makes sense as well. It's just kind of, yeah. a, it's a different different style, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. And do, do you also watch games like for, for NBA? Do you watch a lot of NBA?
2: No, I just watch the uh, ESPN app. That's all I watch.
1: Okay. All right. So what about for NFL is, is, uh, do you spend more time or less time on NFL than you do for NBA? Um,
2: I spend way more time on NFL for sure. Cause NFL, you have a whole week. So I probably start on Wednesday to kind of start flirting with like, um, uh, like props and over unders and see where the spreads are going. Uh, so yeah, I definitely start around Wednesday, Thursday for NFL, like not, maybe like an hour each day, just to kind of get a feel for like when I make all my stuff Saturday night and just kind of set me up for Sunday, even if I have to make any changes.
1: And do you incorporate what you learn from props in your DFS decisions? Because I feel like a lot of times we'll be talking about a player and you'll say something like his props look good or his props look bad. Is that something you look at to kind of shape like how you think a player is going to do by looking at what the, the Vegas odds are?
2: Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty helpful. Uh, like, for instance, last night, I know this is kind of a different sport, but Wiles, he had really good props, and he was like 9%. So I just forced him like 35%, and he wound up getting like 44 fantasy points. So just like little things like that, I think give you a better edge too. Um, uh, looking at the props, I'm, I'm really keen on um, – I know how to see what props are good and see what props are bad. And what what Vegas things because you know no one's
1: sharper than Vegas so, right. It's yeah, just it's that good. simple. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a good way to get an idea of how yeah. you can expect things to go. Yeah. That's really interesting because I have never really looked at it but I, I do a show.
2: Yeah, uh, I go through every prop basically on every player and just wow. kind of and just kind of look and see. Okay, this guy's chalky. What's his props? This guy's not. Sh- this guy's a pivot. What's his props? Are they are the same as his? Because if a guy has the same props and then the same price. I'm just taking the other guy that's just 20% lower. It's just, it's the same thing.
1: Yeah, and that, that makes sense. I, uh, I I do a show with uh, Jordan Cooper Blenderhead who, you know, he looks at props pretty, pretty regularly in making his decisions and kind of shaping his player pool. And I think that it makes a lot of sense to to look at the player props and kind of figure out what you can expect from different players and like the different stats that you can expect yep. them to excel in um, which maybe may somebody need to incorporate a little bit more into my process I've always kind of worked on the assumption well the Vegas lines are kind of incorporated into projections but there's other ways that you can look at props I think and it sounds like you're doing a pretty good job of looking at the individual props to kind of figure out where yeah. you want to get different
2: yeah yeah for sure it definitely uh, definitely helps and uh, you'll be surprised on how how many times you see a guy, how close the props
1: are for like the same price. And it's interesting. Yeah. So for NFL, do you actually, do do you watch the games for NFL?
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah. Red zone for sure. I definitely watch red zone. Like on Sunday, I'm in my basement on the big screen, watching red zone with my laptop. And that's what I do every Sunday. Everyone knows to leave me alone. Like make no plans with me on Sunday. That's the dream. Sit there (laughs) and watch football all day. It's like Christmas every morning, Sunday.
1: Yeah. I love it.
2: Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's so addicting.
1: It's crazy. What about for, uh, for like showdown slates? Are you, do you, I know you play all the showdowns. Do you watch yeah. the whole games for those as well?
2: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Don't, okay. I, I don't play, uh, NBA showdown, but I will play NFL showdown.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For NFL. Yeah. I, I try an NBA occasionally, and I definitely do not have any kind of edge in NBA showdown because I end up duping all my lineups and it's not looking pretty. So, uh,
0: yeah. not
1: something I'm probably going to get too into just yet. Uh, in in uh, Fantasy Cruncher, if you are going to play 150 lineups in a slate, are you crunching exactly 150 lineups and using those, or are you crunching more and whittling down to 150? Um, I just I just kind
2: of uh, 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 do whatever I want, basically, and then just run it, and I just keep running it until I get what I like. Um, like, I could run it, like, 30, 40 times. Uh, okay. But for, for some sports, I will run like 150 or 200, I mean, uh, 200 or 250. And I'll kind of delete like the highest owned ones and kind of just take, take the middle of it. Okay. Like for MMA, for, for instance, I'll, I'll, I'll do that.
1: So it sounds like for, for like for NBA, I think you do a sort of similar process to me where you're doing several, that you're doing a crunch, you're looking at what comes out, you're adjusting things, you're doing another crunch, and it's just 150 lineups each time but right. then you're, you're running several crunches until you get 150 set that you like after yeah, yeah. making all of your adjustments. Yep.
2: Yeah, whereas, exactly whereas, in,
1: whereas in MMA, you're doing the same thing, but you're doing maybe 200 and then just cutting off the top 50 in uh, ownership sum.
2: Right, right, right. Because it's very probable that, like, if that is the windup, winning lineup, it's probably going to get chopped a lot. So it's just a little another way to get different,
1: basically. Yep, that makes sense. And do you use randomness at all in Fantasy Cruncher?
2: uh yeah yeah i use randomness for every sport basically
1: okay and what about like uh caps on your exposures on different players do you have like a, do you do like a universal cap on every player or do you set individual caps or no caps on on player exposures
2: uh it depends on the slate but individual um i'll do a a set cap for everybody um but yeah usually it just depends on the slate
1: all right yeah that makes sense i'm I
2: like for nba if there's like new late news I'll cap one at like 35% or 40%, and then go from there.
1: All right. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm we're, we're different in that way because I, I don't really set caps. I just I set it a hundred per player, but then I'm making major adjustments to kind of get to the the levels that I want. But it's right. just kind of different ways to skin a cat. We're we're using different approaches to kind yeah. of try to get to the same thing. I think. Um, so it's just a matter of what you find the most efficient way to get to the number for each player that you want. Right. Let me take a minute away from this conversation with Geo to tell you about our sponsor, Nohost Advantage. Knowos Advantage is bringing you a different way to enjoy DFS with player props contests. It's 100% peer-to-peer to to help level the playing field. With over 500 player props offered and all new users, get a $25 deposit bonus with promo code AWESEMO, that's A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Nohost Advantage offers mass entry capability and has big prize pools. Beat your friends, not the house. Use our Nohost Advantage projections and optimal lineup tool to help you take down big prizes. Download in the app store or play on (laughs) nohostadvantage.com. um what about contest selection so at this point you've won three millimakers you've won several five and six figure contests so you've won a lot of big contests so here's yeah. uh is, is there a threshold now that makes you interested in joining a contest like uh in terms of the first place prize so like will you still play a contest for example where first place wins twenty thousand? uh
2: no uh because a lot of those contests they um to like max it like for instance like some of the MLB slates last year, it was like 50K to first, then 10K to second, and it's $18. So it's like 20, 2700, 20, 2700 enter. to enter. So as you know how hard it is to even get to the top, even if you get second, you're forexing your money. And right. that's just bad. And that's just a waste of time and money. And you can't be it's like unbeatable. So I'm very selective. Like uh, you, you won't see me Uh, playing like late slates or anything like that. Um, because it's like 50 K to first 10 K to second. Like I'm not doing it. I, I, well, I I can do it. I can afford it, but it's just, it's not, um, I rather take my money elsewhere in in a, in a better contest.
1: So it sounds like it's more about payout structure for you than it is yeah. about the top prize. so it's like you will play would you play a contest if it was like say twenty thousand a first but like fifteen thousand a second ten thousand a third would would you still be interested in that case for like a i don't know five dollar buy- in? yeah,
2: if it was like a like a i don't know like a sixty eight max or something for five dollars and that was the payout sure why not that's a that's a good return on your investment so um it's definitely uh, i take it I definitely focus in on. Uh, the, the payouts on to how how many en- entries I'm going to put into it. Like for the golf next week, I think we talked about, like it, it's a million dollars the first 100K to second. And like to break even if you max, it's like you got to get sixth place. So right. like it, it's, it makes no sense to max that tournament unless you've got unlimited money. Uh, but I'm more of – I'm a little more conservative, but I'm not at the same time. Uh, but I just – like even throwing
3: 50 or 30 in it is still fine. Yep. Seeing is believing and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor, because this is an audio ad unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung more wow than ever.
4: slash play 100 and use code play 100 that's code play 100 at pricepicks.com slash play 100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy
1: yeah that makes sense um for me I, I look at the first place price primarily but it's probably a, a better approach to look at the actual payout structure and figure yeah. out what you need to do and i think i think Brick actually did a video at one point about like the contests that are worth entering in terms of the payout structure and right. and how much you want to enter in, into different videos so that's kind of a an interesting concept that i probably don't think about enough i just enter whatever the biggest one is regardless of payout yeah. structure you'd be as long as first place
2: you'd be surprised how much Uh, how much money you save and like when you actually do on go on that downswing uh, you kind of kind of um you know suppress it by you know being selective in contests so yeah it's it's definitely uh an optimal strategy that i've learned to do
1: just on my own and it it seems to work so then do you actually do you take slates off then or do you just in those cases change the contest that you enter
2: um uh, both uh okay. if i need a break i'll take a break like uh, like on a sunday when all the news is all wacky for NBA, the payouts aren't as good i'll take off on sunday for NBA. more so during the week because during the week obviously they're pretty good
1: okay yeah that makes sense uh, you did an instagram show with uh bobby gomes in which you said you're so you're still always learning now this is about a year ago um is, is that still the case do, do you still feel like you're always learning
2: uh yeah for sure Um, I definitely do like, like kind of question myself, like, do I really know what I'm doing? I mean, obviously that's how everyone feels when they're on a downswing. Right. Um, But yeah, I definitely try to learn from other players, you know, like talking to you, um, you know, daily and, you know, Josh, Uh, it definitely helps learning little things here and there, even though I don't like, even though I might not do what they say, it's, I like to take it into consideration and, you know, um, uh, have it in there when I'm going through my thought process. Um, It's definitely uh, going to lineup study is a good thing to do. You know, it's uh, extra time spent on what other good players are doing, winning players are doing. So uh, it's just like the little things that matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and do you you spend a lot of time then examining what what went right and what went wrong for you as well? Uh, yeah, sometimes,
2: um, I not I try not to spend too much time on it because it, it kind of like, you know, it, in a way it kind of like tilts me, you know, be like, damn, like I'm yeah. an idiot. I I should have done that. But I, I immediately, I know like what I did wrong already. So I don't have to really go back too much.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I was going to say, so you said during the interview, uh, with Bobby Gomes, which was definitely over a year ago at this point uh, that you don't you didn't talk to anybody about dfs at that time now obviously i know that's changed cuz i know that you talk to me pretty regularly you talk to brick 75 pretty regularly you talk to royal pain josh lindell
0: pretty yeah. regularly
1: and now now we've been in a, a chat with aha bro as well yeah uh, so so you're clearly you talk to a number of dfs players anybody else how, how many dfs players do you think you talk with regularly
2: uh, that's it <laughs> all
0: right so that's, that's, that's it. i point. don't
2: talk to many people and as you know, before I talked to nobody, right? <laughs> it, yeah. was just, it was just all me.
1: Yeah, I mean, you and I, we met through Instagram. Instagram at the time you didn't have a Twitter, so I was yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I followed you on Instagram and we got to talking a little bit. Right, right, right,
2: right.
1: Yeah, we've been talking since then. And, and you, you said that you, you, feel like you do learn from these conversations with other pros, even if you don't yeah. necessarily take the advice that they give or like follow follow what they're doing, at least to kind of hear what other people are doing. You, you think you, you learn from those conversations?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, yeah. I, I can just take little pieces from like, different players, you know, like you, uh uh-huh, bro, Royal Pay, I can take little things here and there. And then I can kind of, you know, mesh my own strategy together along with what I
1: already know, basically. Yeah. And I, I feel the same way. I think that it's, uh, you can definitely learn a lot just from talking to other players. just kind of hearing about the thought process. You know, yeah, It's, yeah, yeah, it's just true. here and there. It's just a little bits here and there. You kind of, I think we get smarter when you, when you talk to other people, I right. think, I, I've said this to you before, I feel like my approach to life in general is that, uh, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. So I'm, right. uh, I always like to talk with, with you guys, all these, all these great players who I think might be better than me at DFS. Uh, right. so I can learn a little bit here and there. So I think that that's, uh, definitely a good approach to surround yourself yourself with smart people. Is that something you would recommend to, to newer DFS players to get into group chats where you can learn from other people?
2: Uh, Yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's definitely, um, you'd be surprised how much you learn and good people, you know, throw things at you, give you little tips here and there. um, And and just to kind of better your game, even if it's the littlest thing, it might make the biggest, biggest difference. So that's how I, uh, my, my approach is I take to you know not just the best, or like with everything, basically.
1: Right on. Yeah, that makes sense. So you've had a lot of success even outside your milli wins. Uh, a lot of people might assume that you're just winning smaller field contests with high entry fees, really the high stake stuff. Is that the case? Do you do you win mostly at high stake stuff, uh, and have you increased your stakes over time, or are you still just entering the main contest primarily?
2: Um, it depends uh, if I'm how hot I'm running or how cold I'm running. I kind of, that's how I kind of figure out what I'm going to play. Um, yeah, I'll play the big contest. I won one a few weeks ago, which kind of like broke me even for the, for this year. So yep. that, that that was a, that was a big win for me. Um, but uh, I try not to, as a lot of people know, if you, uh, I don't play, I don't max out everything. I, I'll yeah. play three, four lineups, take stands and that's how, that's how I
1: do it. Yeah. I think people will be surprised. I mean, you and I talk about that pretty regularly is like, are, are you going to enter this high stakes contest? You're not. Yeah. A lot, a lot of the top pros are entering and they're playing huge volume across all these different slates. Right. A lot of times you're just entering the, the main contest, the 150 yeah. and maybe throwing in one or two in the high stakes stuff, but you're not really yeah. playing as high volume as a lot of top no, pros are.
2: No, no, I don't play a lot of volume. I like to focus on what I'm doing and then like, I'll throw like three in the high roller and I'll throw three at, and like the eighty-eight, and also three in the three maxes, and then I'll just, you know, as you seen, I I won like three contests like a few weeks ago, so that I just throw all them in, and you know, if I win, I win. But it, it, you can all—that's the beauty about DFS—you can get it all back and plus more in literally one day.
1: Yeah, and do you think that you kind of learned your your bankroll from playing poker? Because you you clearly have a pretty uh, stringent bankroll strategy where you're not yeah. just throwing your money around even after winning three millies you're not yeah. max entering everything like a lot of people would you think that's kind yeah. of something you you learned from poker that you kind of need to like stick with what you're doing and, and not try to force it?
2: Yep, 100%. That's where uh, I learned all my strategy from for bankroll um, is from poker and a lot of people can vouch for me that like, yeah, you know he manages what he plays very well that's why he is where he is
1: yeah, that makes sense. And I, you're, I, mean, I had
2: a funny conversation with, uh huh, bro, that I made a hundred thousand dollar bet, and he goes, that doesn't seem seem too smart. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave him the reason why, and uh he, we were laughing about it. But yeah, I, I try to make smart decisions, and and you know, hundred
1: thousand dollar bet. You, you don't yeah. get limited when you're trying to make that kind of bet. I mean, I, I, so I can't bet here in Minnesota. Uh, so I don't really know about the ins and outs, but I, it sounds to me like you get limited if you try to bet more than like a hundred bucks anywhere. So you, you found places that you can, you can bet that much. Y- y- yeah. Yeah. And
2: DraftKings, they let me.
1: All right. Wow. All right. How did, did you win that bet? I lost. Uh, well, you made it up with DFS, I'm sure. So not, not a huge loss.
2: No, no, it's okay. I think, hey, I get unlimited prop So they haven't, uh, I can bet all the props I want, so I've been, I've been, I've been crushing the prop bets. So,
1: yeah. Thank you, really? Brick so, seventy-five. <laughs> you, you've been, you've been using Brick's advice, using his tools to make some prop bets. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's, it's good stuff. I, I like Brick. I'm gonna yeah. give him a gentleman's tip at the end of the year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's very kind. Let's, uh, let's talk some, some listener questions because I got several here just got this one from a W Gableman Asked for PGA specifically. Do you put the most emphasis on course history, current form
3: stats, or ownership?
1: Um,
2: it's kind of like, a, I'm like kind of the wrong person to ask about golf. Golf's not like the <laughs> best area. I was kind
1: of wondering, I'm like, I don't feel like you love golf. No, no. Obviously <laughs> I got
2: very lucky to win that million maker in golf. Um, but it, it, i guess yeah course history matters ownership it, it's a lot of things to take in consideration of what like what you're going to do um it, it's it, what it comes down to is is like you do what you feel is right basically,
1: yep all right. Good enough for me. I don't really have any kind of great strategy for golf. Uh, you, you've won a Millie no. maker, so I guess that's why he asked you. I, I forgot that that is one of your yeah. one of your milli Even though you I don't. got
2: very very lucky to win that, uh, like it was insane.
1: So it, yeah, I was just it was crazy. It was a lineup where you like you you faded the chalky guy, but you had him. You happened to have that chalky guy in like I had that one lineup one, that won. Is that right? Yeah,
2: yeah. I had that one one off that just won.
1: That's pretty nuts. Yeah. Uh, but I, mean, I didn't even you, you have, you have the winning golfer in my lineup. You didn't. You did not have the number one golfer. No. And w- was that one? Of, was that a high stakes one, or was that a large no, field? Large field. Large field. A large field, and you won without the winning golfer. That's pretty. Yeah, nice. you can
2: look it up on Twitter. My winning lineup. It's I'm gonna quite, have to. Yeah, it's quite bizarre. I I, for, I forget what it was, but screenshot it being sent to me because it's kind of funny because I didn't have the guy. Who,
1: it was Berger who won, I think, and I didn't have him. That's crazy. <laughs> all right uh question from brian lewis 158 do you think that in 2020 you had the best nfl streak in the nfl millie maker ever
2: uh yeah i mean i got second twice, and i won it twice uh I don't know, like a year span or something like that. I mean, that's gonna be very hard to top. <laughs>
1: and you had another
2: field. And I, I know, yeah, I've no, yeah. seen some guys win the high roller stuff, but well, that's sure. only like five hundred, six hundred people. It's still hard to do. But this was in, you know, uh hundred and fifty thousand person field. Even though I won in the high roller, but it's still it's
1: hard to top. Two first place, two second place, and I believe you had at least one sixth place as well. I was just listening to your, that, that your was interview. The MMA. Oh, that was an MMA. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was All MMA. right. So so NFL two first, two seconds. All right. Not nearly as impressive then if it was just, just two firsts and two seconds. Oh, come uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right. Yeah, no, I, I was gonna say I think uh I think I agree with you there for sure. That's uh, hard to beat two in, in that short of a span. Two millimeter wins yeah, plus two second places, it's unheard of.
2: It, it's literally like it really is unheard of. Like, like I don't like compared to now, I am more impressed of like like how hard it is to win uh like and like that I did that it's just it's just like how did I do
1: that you know what I mean you mean now that you've been playing longer right, you see right, how exactly. hard it is you yes, you appreciate yes. it more like yes. if it had come later on you would have been like holy hell how did I do this right. whereas it happened to you so earlier just like okay this is I guess DFS is easy <laughs> exactly <laughs> so now you have a better uh, appreciation for how difficult and rare that was right all right yeah Yeah. I'd say that was probably the the greatest NFL run. Maybe that we'll ever, probably that we'll ever see. So another listener question from Mr. Gadget floor, what do you consider to be your edge in large field GPPs? Uh,
2: Just getting different from how everyone's playing. Like if you run the optimal um, and you can assume a lot of the time, like, okay, well uh, that guy's going to be chalky. So um, if it's, you just got to find – you don't have to do it on every player who's chalked. It's obviously good chalk, but when it's, it's when it's chalk for no reason, um, then I try to steer away from it, and that's how you get different.
1: So when you say you run the optimum, you mean like just like the, the top lineup or do you run like the, the top, the top 50 on them? Okay.
2: Yeah, the top lineup usually, I, and I see uh, – uh, you can tell like – because the top lineup is going to be the chalkiest lineup, obviously. Um, okay depending on like your uniques and randomness, yeah, you can kind of figure out who's going to be um, uh, super chalk. All
1: right, that makes sense. Uh, So then we got into some more uh, kind of personal questions. We had a lot of people that were curious about your your personal life to some extent. Uh, People ask things, uh, so, so a lot of pros, I think it's, a lot of the reason we got a lot of personal questions is a lot of us pros are old and married and not that exciting. Uh, you're young and, as far as I know, you're single. So, so people had had <laughs> questions, and, and I'll, I'll ask, I rephrase some of them a little bit, but you know, kind of the the idea behind the questions that people had for you. Uh, you, uh, you seem to have kind of an active social life. Uh, there are a couple of slates after all of your millies where this led you to missing lock. Uh, have you made any adjustments to your priorities or process to avoid running a train of 150 lineups when more <laughs> exciting plans present themselves close to lock?
2: Uh, yeah, I definitely make sure and I do not lay in my bed because I will fall asleep. So I get out of bed and I will go to the computer. Um, I will not make that mistake ever again.
3: <laughs> Seeing is believing and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung more wow than ever.
4: Up to $100. Just visit slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
1: So you fell asleep. Is that what happened? Yes, I passed out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I put my head on the pillow and it lights out. All right. How many times has this happened to you that you, that you missed lock and ran a 150 train?
2: Uh, I think it's like two or three times I did it. All right. Cool. Cool. People are making fun of me on Twitter because like, ah, he has enough
1: Billy maker wins. He's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what's what's $3,000 to you?
2: I don't, I don't like burning money like that. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned that I I believe that you're single. I don't know a hundred percent that that's uh, the case currently. It was the, the last time we talked about it. Um, but let, let's assume, uh, that you are, uh, you're you're a young guy. You're youngish guy. I know you're lower thirties, younger than me. Good looking guy. He got got a great beard. You're very really? successful. I mean, you you've won a lot of money playing DFS. You're you're definitely an eligible bachelor. So I yeah. bet there are people listening who might be interested in you. Might think I'd like to have a date with Geo. Uh, do you have, <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a type? Are there any particular interest, personality um, traits, anything else that you're drawn to?
2: You gotta be funny. You gotta be able to joke around. Um, I'm like a huge jokester. Um, just like dark hair cute and funny. That's all.
1: That's what I like. Oh, okay, and, okay, uh, funny.
2: you know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> they need to align with you politically. Is that what you're
2: saying? Yeah. yeah most likely. <laughs> all right.
1: Geo. I hear a little bit of humming going on in the background there. What do you, you got some yard work going on there? Yes. It's uh spring cleanup, <laughs> spring cleanup. Is that like yep. an, an annual thing in your, your part of the country?
2: Um, it, It's just like a, you like the local guy, uh, uh, he's friends of a friend. And, uh, you know, I, I just pay him for the year to, you know, cut my grass, fertilize it and okay. you know, make, make it all pretty basically. <laughs> all
1: right. So you're just getting some, some landscaping done.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: All right. And you got somebody else doing that for you. How rich? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, they, they come with four or five guys. They knock it out in 30 minutes. So. All
1: right. Uh, so have you caught? Uh, any of the DraftKings series, Chasing the Goat? I, I had to ask you about this because it came up on uh, on the Lowell's show uh, that, that you might be a good candidate. They should have maybe asked you to be on the Chasing the Goat series with uh, Alex Baker, Big T, and, and Whistles Go Woo. Have you caught the series at all?
2: Uh, no, I haven't, but I would make that show pop.
1: I can tell you that. <laughs> so you would do it. If if they had you to the show, you, you'd be on it?
2: I mean, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. It'd be, it'd be yeah, a more interesting just, show. I would just troll everyone the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, good to Alex. Know. especially Alex I love to troll him.
1: DraftKings if you're listening you got to add Geo he would he would add an entertainment factor for sure I think I think anybody would agree that you'd be a, a good just I mean just being kind of younger and single too just to, you know be yeah, yeah, more yeah. fun you, you guys can go out clubbing kind of see how those guys are as wingmen I feel like it'd be a fun show yeah uh, you mentioned on your podcast with Dean on Rotor on Rotor Grinders uh, that you've been coaching one of your friends at poker. Now you've got a new headset, you've got a webcam. Uh, would you ever consider getting into DFS content or coaching outside of your friends?
2: Uh, no, it doesn't really interest me too much. Um, it's just I, I just don't I don't really know how to talk about DFS interview well like i was doing for content. Um, I just kind of, you know, have my own thinking strategy and I kind of, you know, do my own thing every day. Uh, but coaching, um, I did poker coaching before. So DFS coaching, yeah, I would do it if I had, like, extra time and someone wanted me to, you know, give them some tips. And sure, um, you know, if you're interested, you can send me a DM. You know, I can do a few hours here and there or something. Uh, we'll work out something. But, yeah, other than that, but doing content, no, nah, it doesn't really interest me too much. I don't mind becoming, like, a guest. Like here and there, but yeah. doing it on a weekly basis, I, I don't really like that.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a different skill than playing DFS for sure. Talking about it, it's definitely, I've found that it's uh, when I started doing it, I would have thoughts that I'm like, mm-hmm. I know how I do this or the reasons that I make certain decisions, but it can be difficult to express that to, to, to talk about it. And I feel like it's definitely, I'm you know, I've been doing it for six months now and i still feel like i'm learning every time i do it i'm getting a little bit better but i still yeah. have a long ways to go so i definitely uh yeah. it's a it's a process to get better at doing content but you so, so you wouldn't do content uh you would be interested potentially in coaching somebody could reach out to you and you might be you might yeah. be available
2: yeah for sure All right. i because I, I learn when i do that when i teach i learn
1: yeah basically for sure yeah, I think it's uh I I could see that it'd be a good uh good setup. Um got a question from Freddie on Twitter, now back to DFS a little bit. He asks, How much money do you allocate each day in DFS? Does that is that a standard thing? Do you play kind of the same amount every day or does it change up? Um
2: day day? It's, it changes up. Uh like I said before, if I'm like on a downswing or um on a upswing, that kind of varies. Um, but it can be anywhere from five to 20K on a day, I'm going
3: to guess. Okay. Uh, that yeah, sounds that's... about
2: right. Like if you do a few high roller things and you max out the 150s, you do another, some other high rollers. Uh, it could be uh, up to like 15K out uh, 20K, but on okay. uh, most days it's probably between 7 and 10, I'm going to guess.
1: Are there certain sports that you play more? Like on an NFL Sunday, do you typically play more or MMA? um
2: I definitely play more NFL. For okay. Sure. That's, that's uh, well, what I found. NBA, and NFL are my two favorite sports to do to to do DFS. My favorite one to watch is MMA for sure.
1: Okay. And you you've have you had some success at MMA DFS? I know that you get into it. Uh, have you have you won any MMA tournaments, or is that something that you're still chasing? Um,
2: I won the small one like last week, and oh. <laughs> I I forget those. I forgot to swap oh, out. I forgot to swap out the guy who got canceled like 10 minutes before the, uh, the fight. And I yeah. actually wind up having the winning lineup somehow.
1: Yeah. It, wasn't a, it was the largest field GPP. You just you split yeah. it with several people in that he one. It was like a
2: 25 person shop for like nine grand, but it was fun. Yeah. I it's like it. Still a nice payday. Yeah,
1: you'll yeah, take yeah. that. It's not yeah. too bad. Give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Be sure to also check out our monthly podcast giveaway. Just subscribe to our podcast channel and leave a five-star review with your Osmo username or Twitter handle to be entered to win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Uh, so I'll close it out with this question. So I, I asked this of John Breslin last week, and I thought it was kind of an interesting question, kind of a fun way to end uh, discussion. Um, I asked him what his favorite celebration was of a big win. Now you have three millimaker wins, you've got big poker wins, so I'll ask you the same question. Tell me, tell me about your favorite celebration.
2: To be honest, I'm very, very subtle about it. I do a little small fist pump. And that's, that's all I do. And I just, on to the next day. I don't really, don't, maybe I go out for a drink the next day. and kind of relax, but
1: I, I just do like a subtle, like, all right, nice. All right. So, so have you ever been with anybody else when you won a Millie maker? Yeah, I was with a girl at one time
2: and she was over at my house and I kept on going back to my room to check my lineup. <laughs> and she was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. She goes like, why are you shaking?
1: did you tell her did you tell her what's happening that was
2: that was the first one that i won. no i didn't wow you didn't tell her wow no i didn't i didn't man geo all
1: right (laughs) that's that's impressive so that was that was the only one that you've been with somebody when you saw that yeah
2: uh yeah i think so oh and the other one was i was out to eat i took my dad for his birthday and i was on my phone the whole time and then i wound up winning like 1.3 million and I was like I'm on the car ride home from dinner with my dad. And I was like, I got it. And he goes, Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> He's like, You did it again.
2: <laughs> so that was that was that was definitely fun out to dinner with my dad. And uh on the way home, I'd be like, Yeah, I got it. All
1: right. So these are better stories. You made it sound like you weren't gonna have any stories like, oh, I just do a little fist bump by myself. Well <laughs> you're actually like you've been with people when you've won.
2: Two two of the times. The one the golf one, yeah. I was at my house,
1: but that was yeah. uh but two out of three, you, you were actually with people. I guess you didn't celebrate the first time. You didn't even tell her about it, but... Uh, right. Or at least you didn't celebrate with her. You celebrated, I guess, on your own, in your own way. But, uh, yes, yes, all right. yes, exactly. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, th- those are good stories. And, and you, uh, you you, mentioned that you were with your dad uh, for the second one. I believe you've also uh, bought your dad something with some of your winnings. Am I right about that? Am I remembering he, that right? He, yeah,
2: I bought him a, uh, a 1957... Um, uh for ranchero and um he he has the same car but it's all busted up and it's in primer and it's a piece of shit and he was he always said he was going to fix it and i was like you know what i'm just going to get him one that's already redone and everything so i did that for one of his birthdays i got him a a beautiful one all redone and everything he loves it
1: That's awesome. I mean, I think that's, that's a good story right there. Yeah. Win some money, pay it back. That's really awesome. Yeah. I'm all
2: about, um, you know, paying it forward, giving them back for sure. Yeah.
1: That's great. That's awesome. Well, well, Gio, let's end it there. Uh, Where can people find you on, on Twitter? Where uh, on Discord? Where can people Uh, look you up? Twitter, Uh,
2: Twitter, RBX88 underscore.
1: All right. Finally got a Twitter. Finally got a Twitter. Yeah, it was about time. We, I was tired of talking with you on Instagram because you were the only person that I talked with on Instagram. So I like, get missing for like a few days and I'd be like, oh, I got a message. Like, Because I didn't work on Instagram that much. So it's good to have you in the same place as everybody else. Nice. Are you enjoying your time on Twitter?
2: Uh, yeah, it's all right. You know, I pop in some tweets here and there, but it's definitely good for like the news and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good. Good to stay up to date on stuff on Twitter. All right. Well, thanks again to Geo Demers for joining me on episode seven of High Stakes and to Mike Lawrence for producing as always. Episode eight will be available next Friday night on YouTube on the Osmo YouTube channel and wherever podcasts live. Thanks for watching and enjoy your night.
3: Chumba, ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Old prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.